I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this recording takes place, the Wadundi and Bububun people of Woodachup in the southwest Bujara region in Nungabuja, also known as Margaret River. I acknowledge their continuing connection to the land, waters and community. I pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hey there, welcome back to the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. This is episode number 58. I'm your host, Cam Fraser. We're talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies, and men's experiences of pleasure. And today, I have the pleasure of chatting with Yuval Mann. And Yuval is the founder of the Sensual Alchemy School of Integrated Sexuality, his personal sex and relationship coaching business, which teaches people how to have epic sex and legendary love. Now, during his 20s, Yuval carried a bag full of trauma, shame, and guilt around his sexuality and relating to women due to his upbringing in an extreme Jewish Orthodox community. After leaving that community, Yuval embarked on a long journey of discovery into letting go of that shame, those blockages, and everything that was holding him back from making love with himself, with women, and the world. And in this episode, Yuval and I, we chat about his experiences with that Orthodox Judaism and that community he was a part of, and how his relationship with God has impacted his sexuality. We also discuss ways of overcoming sexual blockages, and how sex coaching for single men in particular can be a transformative process, and what that process actually looks like. You can find Yuval on Instagram at yuvalman.s. And if you're unfamiliar with how to spell his name, that's Y-U-V-A-L-M-A-N-N dot S uh, on Instagram. This is a super interesting conversation. Um, my first time connecting with Yuval as well. So it was lovely to kind of meet him and have a, uh, you know, a really nice chat. So I found it really enjoyable and I hope you enjoy listening. It is the teacher's duty to enlighten their students on the commonly accepted standards of sexual behavior. These sperm cells are carried through the tubes in a thick colorless liquid called semen and at certain times are expelled through the penis. Side effects include headache, flushing, upset stomach and abnormal vision. To avoid long-term injury, seek immediate medical help for an erection lasting more than four hours. All right, my brother. Well, the first question and... It's actually not a question, it's an invitation, and it's an invitation for you to share. I'd love to hear a little bit about your story, about who you are, the work that you're doing, maybe why you're so passionate about it, why you're doing this work, and uh, yeah, what's lighting you up recently as well. That's my invitation to you, brother. Sure, man. Um, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> where to start? I've had a pretty crazy life. Um, I've been a Jewish Orthodox um pretty much since i was 10. so i was born to a very secular family uh, living on the coastline of israel and my parents were very much like uh, spiritual seekers they were into psychedelics and uh, Hare krishna was like something that you hear in the house and things like that um <clears throat> right when i was about 10 um my dad had cancer and they flipped completely um they took me from a Waldorf uh, school, from like a, a democratic school, to, to anyone who doesn't know what it is, to the Heidel, which is like the most like radical boys only, <laughs> you know, um, Jewish Orthodox Institute. And I spent days um, 
most of my yeah most of my um, teen years in the Jewish Orthodox community. So it's like boys only, out of really mini school, like things that you have to do in your life, heaven and hell, all that kind of stuff, uh, fear of God. So I was growing up with a lot of heavy weight around sexuality. I remember growing up being at 14, 15, starting to think and fantasize, and I was afraid to masturbate on the fear of God because it's a sin. And so it would go out at night and I would wet my bed, obviously, because it's something that comes out naturally out of the body. And I would wake up in the morning with terror and running to the mikveh, which is like this bathhouse, Jewish bathhouse. You go to kind of purify yourself to God and ask for forgiveness and pray and so on. And so, needless to say, the path is like you don't have any interactions with women growing up other than your mom and your sisters and then the first girl that you meet, which becomes your wife in an arranged marriage kind of thing. So like you don't really have that openness and ease around women. It was something that I was really stressed about, fearful of. Even when I left the, um, the religion um, while, while I was in the army, um, I still had this like, programmed in my mind really powerfully of like yeah the fear of god and like sex is bad and sinful and so on and so the since i left the army in 2012 and until now pretty much i was just traveling the world and reprogramming my mind um, and really taking that aspect of my life relationships sexuality interaction with women as my work and seeing everything that happens in my life through that lens and really seeing how what I feel sexually and um, how I show up um, sexually in my life, both in the relationship with my body as well as the relationship with women is really influencing every other aspect of my life. So this is kind of like my story and why I'm so passionate about it and why I'm sharing that onwards. Beautiful, man. Thanks for sharing, man. And uh, I'm curious, like, did you always kind of have this underneath the surface desire to break away from the religion and to kind of go out and do some some soul searching or was there kind of an event or something that happened that you were like no i need to i need to stop you know following this particular religious path and go out and do this particular thing instead so remembering back those days i never felt in place i think mostly because i, I didn't grow up as in that community as everyone around me i actually came from i mean 10 years of my life the first 10 years are formative years like i learned a lot of things i saw a lot of things i had friends i had girlfriends in the kindergarten like it wasn't like something that i was born into so it was like a huge dissonance that also always like I knew that there is another world. I still had friends from other places. It was like really weird kind of uh, situation. Um, and also my, like, I think naturally, um, and also the way my parents um, brought me up in the, in the first years was like really giving me the most freedom to my curiosity, like how to like, go really pursue everything that you're interested in. They always, sent me to arts and uh, in the um, uh, read books and i was like sitting in the library days on end and like reading uh, encyclopedias from uh, from start to finish like a book you know and so that kind of curiosity i brought it with me to wherever i went and 
that's not really encouraged in the in like a very religious environment because i mean the moment you start asking questions the moment you start questioning everything you're like well like nothing makes sense you know um and so i was always asking questions because this is how i i know how to get answers and follow my curiosity and needless to say no one around me really liked it especially not my superiors so i think i always felt kind of like different than everyone misplaced um yeah and um there wasn't one moment but um i mean there was one moment that i like one day i came and left like i took my bag and he tried to like i sit in the north of israel and just kind of like roamed around the streets until i found another institute it was also religious but more into the hasidic uh, jewish religion which is more about love of god rather than fear of god um which was i was there for another year but then really i left religion altogether when i was in the army uh, it was just easier i was surrounded with secular people i was in as a soldier i was nothing but a number so it was much easier to kind of drop out of that relationship with god um yeah that's kind of like how it happened yeah very interesting man and i'm wondering is there anything that you learned or any insights that you gained from your time you know in the orthodox jewish community in the hasidic jewish community that you brought into or that you bring into the work that you do today with regards to sexuality it's a good question um I don't know not, not really i think because like it's really something that is unspoken like yes i learned a lot by the whole experience but i cannot look back and say that being there taught me specifically because there's really not spoken about there is no like a totally taboo in our culture is a taboo in general but in that community is like even even more so so i learned a lot from the whole experience of going through that mm, going out but uh yeah not really from the scriptures or from the the teachings of of, of the judaism no mm. not really what about your relationship with god today man what's your understanding of spirituality and the interweaving of that with sexuality uh <laughs> that's a beautiful question um I really found God again and through sex like through sexuality in the beginning now now it doesn't have to be correlated anymore but um I think for many years after I left pretty much until really recent years since I left the religion I was really hateful like I was judgmental hateful my relationship with God was like don't even get close to me I don't give a shit you know um because yeah because it was just based on fear which now i'm looking back and i'm like i can look at my parents and their decisions and everyone that was around me in that community and be totally accepting accepted um accepting should i say um and loving towards that but i can see that this is just like a certain stage of understanding of consciousness of the world that you can get stuck in um aka religion um today my relationship with god is not like as this uh, old man that is waiting there to punish me if i'm gonna 
do something wrong, rather the very fabric of reality, like everything that I do, my, my very thoughts, my very existence. And, you know, I, I don't really care about how does it, like, what's the name for it, because it's something that is felt rather than, um, rather than can be explained. So you can call it in some, in some, sometimes I can call it uh, evolution, 13 billion years of evolution. Sometimes I can call it uh, the intelligence of life, what moves things. Sometimes I can call it life force, Tao, God, love, whatever, you know, um, it's that which cannot be explained, that which moves, um, everything. And it gives me, yeah, a great sense of, of peace and a way of looking at my life as devoted spiritual work rather than just like whatever thing that I'm doing and I'm responsible for. Um, so yeah, that's how my relationship with God kind of <laughs> moved around over the years. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Yeah, my, um, well, someone asked me on a podcast recently, like what, how do I define sacred sexuality? And I thought, um, you know, this is a good chance for me to reflect on what I define as sacred, right? Because the, the term sacred is very much synonymous with or at least connected to this idea of like religion and and god as and and i suppose like what we hold uh, as divine in our own life and what our beliefs are around that so i kind of had this idea similar to your, yourself man like the language for me isn't really important like whether it's god consciousness gaia um the, you know the planet whatever it might be my understanding of sacredness is like it's felt it's individual it's it's personal right and it's unique to me just as your idea of sacredness or divine or god is unique and individual and personal to you and finding finding sacredness for me can kind of be like broken down into kind of three areas and it's and it's all relational right it's it's the way that i relate to certain things and i I have this like idea of relating firstly to myself like what's my relationship like with myself and can i bring some sort of uh, sacredness, right? Can, and, and that's like respect and reverence and, uh, understanding and compassion and all these things that kind of make up just taking my relationship a little bit more seriously with myself. And that could be through the food that I eat, or it could be through the physical practices that I do. It could be through the way that I self-pleasure and masturbate regardless. It's like, how do I relate to my own body and my own physical flesh and blood? And then there's like this idea of now that I kind of recognize the the humanness, the physicalness of myself, what about how I relate to something that's like metaphysical, something that's like beyond me? What's my kind of concept uh, of, of not me, right? Um, and this is, you can get into like the philosophy of it, but I kind of have this idea of like, how do I relate to community or how do I relate to the earth? How do I relate to you know, society in general? Or even like, how do I relate to the concept of God? How do I relate to the concept of there being something other than myself? Whether that's you go down the route of um, quantum mechanics and quantum physics, it's like the energy vibration, right? Everything's vibrating. How do I, what does that mean to me? How do I relate to that? Um, and so bringing some, I guess like the, what comes to me when I think about that is like the, the humbling the, or the humblingness of that relationship. You know, I think Neil, Gra- Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about like how we're all made up of stardust, right? And how we're all connected to the universe because we all kind of come from the same matter. And I really like that kind of way of thinking about things is like, you're not just yourself, you're actually connected to all things through vibration or through kind of particles through the matter that we're all made up of. And so 
I like bringing a little bit more seriousness and reverence and understanding into that relationship. And then, it, and then there's kind of this last one, this third relationship, and these all all these three things kind of influence and interact with one another. But it's like, what's my relationship like with the other, right? So if I recognize then that I'm a I'm a I'm a thing, I'm a I'm a human being, I'm a person, whatever it is. I also share this collective unconscious or this collective consciousness with everyone else through vibration, energy, whatever you want to call it. Then how do I relate to those people that also share that that consciousness, that also share that stardust? And can I bring some sacredness into those relationships, right? Whether it's with my fiance, whether it's with my parents, whether it's with my siblings, whether it's with a stranger, whether it's with you through this medium that we're talking, right? How do I bring some reverence and some deep, kind of deeperness to that, that relationship and how do I take it a little bit more seriously rather than just kind of going through the motions with it. And for me, that like kind of framework, that that kind of Venn diagram, if you will, of relationship with self, relationship with God, relationship with other kind of overlap in the middle. And that's where I feel like sacredness for me personally is, is like where those three relationships are kind of taken a little bit more deeply or a little bit more seriously. Um, and so I try and I try and incorporate that into my life and just kind of be mindful of those three things and be mindful of like, okay, how am I talking to this person? How is this affecting me? How is it affecting my society, my community, or just my local little tribe of friends or my little family, my little family unit? So um, that's quite a long answer, but yeah, I appreciate you asking me, man. No, no, I, I, I love that. Um, I think I'm by no means qualified to, uh, you know, I think no one, can be qualified to tell people how should they worship their gods, you know, what's their relationship with God should be. And I think most of my life, and especially in, in this career path that I'm on right now, I was mostly focused on the rational aspect of things. Like how can I take someone who is experiencing some kind of sexual um, blockage, I would say, because I don't like to call it uh, performance issues and stuff like that. It's, I think our language is really not helpful in that man manner. Um, but wh whatever it is that you're experiencing in the relationship with um, with yourself, sexually, in relationship with women, in relationship with, or with, with orgasms, and kind of like give them uh, whatever I can that is really will speak their language or everyone's language without trying to get into too much. Because I feel that a lot of the industry that we are in especially people who are into Tantra and like sacred sexuality, you delve into realms that are really about felt experience and it's really individual and it's really hard to kind of like speak to people from that aspect. And some teachers were doing it really beautifully like David Data in, in his time. Um, so yeah, I'm by no means qualified to tell people what their relationship should be, but I can only remind them that there is that there is something sacred, that there is something beyond, that there is something that they can connect to and bring that um, to be alive in their relationship with themselves, their relationship with their partner, to see whatever it is. And, and really it comes down, I think, to see whatever it is that is coming for you in this lifetime, in this moment, as an opportunity rather than a problem that I need to solve. And I see it especially a lot with men and you know, women look less on their sexual experience as a problem just because the way they are used to, or at least the, the culture around femininity and, 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 and women's sexuality used to speak about it. But for men, it's all about performance all the time. You know, like we look at porn, so we want to be a porn star. 
we look at um, um, you know like my job is to make her calm my job is to make the orgasm whatever and then so they look at it as a problem and what i'm trying to do is to bring that notion or paradigm that hey maybe maybe everything that is happening is perfect maybe there is no problem maybe you you're not you're not there is nothing to be solved it's just an opportunity for you to dive deeper maybe you'll realize something about your sexuality maybe you dive deeper maybe you find connection with god through that maybe you find deeper intimacy with your partner through that um and maybe your work in this world is not necessarily having the you know greatest fucking epic sex in the world maybe your focus should be on something else you know like just surrendering more to something that is beyond and i think it's something that is not really spoken about right especially in, in the reaction videos that i saw that you're doing which i really love which is like all this like super low level discussion that is lacking nuance about like how you should behave and what you should be and here is a you here is your problem and this is how you should fix it you know um yeah yeah thanks for sharing man and i i agree that there's like the the language that we use tends to tends to trap us you know what i mean like a lot of guys self identify or self label as porn addicts or self-label as premature ejaculators, right? There's an interesting statistic that I like to share, which is, you know, there's surveys that are like guys saying up to 70% of guys say that they're uh, a premature ejaculator, right? But only three to 6% of those men can be clinically diagnosed as premature ejaculators. So this, you know, the language that we use lacks nuance, right? Not everyone, 70% of guys aren't premature ejaculating. That's just not what's happening is like what 10 is seconds 20 seconds 30 yeah. minutes like exactly what, you know, yeah like- yeah and so like what is happening is guys just aren't like they're, they're coming before they want to right and they just want to have they just want to last a little bit longer and they just want to have a bit of yeah you know, they want to have better sex they're not clinically diagnosable as having a a medical issue right or, or some sort of diagnosable issue and i think the the lack of nuance in those conversations like you said is um is detrimental because it, it boxes people in right you're either you're either a premature ejaculator or you're not, right? It's, there's kind of no one or the other. What about the guys that aren't premature ejaculating they just kind of want to last a little bit longer and, and have better sex? Where do they kind of fall in? And that's the middle ground that I try and speak to is those guys that, you know, don't need to see a sex therapist specifically. They, and maybe they're, they're aware of having better sex. And it's like, well, here's some practical information. Here's some ways that you can actually just start to get out of your head, start to enjoy the experience, right? Call me crazy, but I, I think sex is supposed to be pleasurable. You know, and here's one of the ways that you can start to focus more on the pleasure rather than on that performance side of things. And and that comes from my own kind of lived experience. I've overcome some, I like the, the term that you use, sexual blockages, right? Um, and and thinking of those blockages as invitations to to explore a little bit more. It's like, oh, I'm um, you know, struggling to, to get an erection. Okay, well, think of that as an invitation to explore what other pleasure you can get from uh you know that doesn't involve an erection right what yeah, about also if why why am i experiencing that you know let's let's not from a judgmental um resisting mind of like why why me you know which is so self-centered like why me why am i experiencing it but rather like hey what is you know let's read about it a little bit let's do research let's get a coach let's let's open up that area of my life because it seems that my edge is there it seems that i'm facing something there maybe it's a good place to open up i think it's always like that you know like if you see that you have some financial problems and you're finding yourself in debt 
maybe it's a good time to learn about money and how it works. And if you find yourself uh, obese or like in a not a very good health situation or you wake up in the morning tired or whatever, it's a good thing to go and search help and like how you can improve your life. And I think it's the same way with sex, but just for some reason, we have normalized everything else. Like it's okay to be in, in debt loan, like uh, student loans. It's okay to be obese. Uh, don't, don't shame people who are, um, you know, unhealthy, but we don't talk about sex. You know, when it comes to sexuality, you have a problem. Now you need to go and like check yourself. Or there's something wrong with you. And I think it's exactly the same way. It's like instead of looking at it as something that is to be ashamed of or like how you are not performing as you should as a man, just go and explore and you find incredible things. And this is why people like us are here, you know, like, um, yeah. What were some of your personal blockages around sex and sexuality, man? What were some of the things you had to work through? So I've never had, um, I mean, okay. So first of all, there is the main one, which is, you know, just being afraid of being, 
seeing sex as something that is like should be hidden, should be shameful. It's something that I'm still in a very palpable, nuanced like level, still kind of like scraping out of my mind. It's it's a work in progress. Um, but um, anyway, and, and that affected everything. You know, it affected how I show, showed up. It affected how confident I felt, it affects how my relationship with women and so on is my relationship with myself, my masturbation and how much I, you know, like now I used to masturbate to, as, a, as I'm sure most guys um, are in the beginning of their journey, um, like masturbate to porn, orgasming like as quickly as possible, whatever. Now it's like, a, it's a sacred ritual for me, you know, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, having sex with myself, it's something completely different. Um, so that was one thing that was really, really powerful change for me coming from like shame and guilt and like sex is something you should hide or it's not, not okay, it's not good to, this is not only something that God does not hate, this is God. <laughs> this is God, you know? Um, and then I think there was like this, um, and obviously part of it is a relationship with porn, a relationship with myself and so on and so forth. Um, and then there was uh, the premature ejaculation that you touched a little bit. It's like, what is premature ejaculation? Because I've never had a clinical problem of like ejaculating too quickly, but there always been a point in which, okay, from here, I just, I can't, I can't anymore. Maybe it's like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. So getting myself with practice and exercise um, to being in, to being able to ejaculate whenever I feel like and often don't ejaculate at all and just continue on and taking that energy and infusing everything that I do in my life with that sexual energy. Um, so that was yeah th those those are the main ones. Thanks for sharing, man. I'm wondering what were the what were the biggest tools or strategies or uh, points of learning for you to help? I know you said you still kind of scraping that last remnants of that shame um, from your mind. But what what's the tool that you're using to help scrape those remnants out? Well, um, this is what I use, but it's not necessarily what I encourage people to do, nor do I teach them to do. I have some things that I teach, but it's not necessarily my journey. My journey was going as extreme as possible. Um, and so, you know, I... In, I was interested in spiritual sex. I went into Tantra and like really dive deep into really and find myself in really <laughs> intense situations with teachers and, and coaches and retreats and so on. And then I was really interested in kink and BDSM. So I went really far with it and went to all the sex clubs and um, facilitated also sex positive events around the world when I, when I was, um, you know, engaging in insane things like having sex in front of a crowd like 500 people or like you know engaging in group sex and things like that really trying to find my edge it wasn't coming from like oh i have to have this excitement it was like i'm really curious i'm really i want to break completely free from everything that i think is like so i tried i never had sex with men but i tried like being in a sexual situation with men and getting closer to them and more intimate and maybe touching and things like that so really trying to go as um, break any taboo possible, you know, like I think another thing that a lot of men have a huge taboo on is bad, bad stuff, you know, um, which is like heterosexual men just have no idea what they are missing. Like really before you've had prostate, you know, orgasm, you're like, 
I mean, so things like that. I was like, okay, fuck it. Here's the taboo. Here's the edge. I'm going to go fuck it up and like go completely, you know, and, and really explore my edge. And this is not necessarily what I encourage everyone to do. Not everybody are kinky. Not everybody should be like vanilla sex is just as beautiful and amazing and valid as any other type of sex. And it's not necessarily anyone's cup of tea to go to sex parties. No, no, do I encourage anyone necessarily to do it unless they feel called to do it and explore. What I do encourage is to really find your edge, you know, like what you specifically are, is afraid of and kind of like periods, like a beautiful nuance combination of like a little bit afraid of a little bit curious, you know, finding that edge and, 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 and opening that up. And a lot of men, regardless of sex, also a lot of men coming to me with some issues with interacting with women in general. So like confidence. And so I do a lot of embodiment work, breathing, being in your body, being present in the moment, um, tapping into the rhythm when you are connecting with someone rather than being like frozen and asking like this surface level stuff and staying in one tone of voice. So a lot of work like that as well, which comes down at the end to also how you show up sexually, because a lot of the, and you are much of, more of an expert on that specific stuff than I am, I believe, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, a lot of these dysfunctions comes from, from stress, you know, so both men and women had in order for their um, arousal to start to happen, the parasympathetic nervous system, which in charge of relaxation has to be engaged, most so for women, but also for men. And so if you're constantly stressed and your breath is shallow and you're thinking about like, what if I'm not going to perform, it just added to your stress and it just makes the problem that you're having much more severe. Um, and so being more in the moment, relaxing, finding your edge and playing with it um, is mostly what I'm working with people um, and doing, yeah. Beautiful, man. Yeah, there's... Well, but answer our question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was lovely, man. I appreciate you um, speaking into a few things there because it brought up a lot of um, things that resonate for me. The first is like your experience of like, you know, finding an edge and then just kind of blasting through it. For me, reminds me of like how... Um, transformation kind of happens and um, I, I kind of think of it in two ways there's like you know you've got this this linear kind of progression and you're at like one spot and you're trying to move forward to like another spot uh, on that kind of transformation linear path and one way of like getting to that future spot or that that spot that's further along the the graph is to blast straight through it and go to a spot that's way down the other end and then trying to you know integrate it and and kind of scale it back to where you want to be, um, which is, it works. It's it's very cathartic. It's very like intense. It's a very, um, usually, it's, usually it's a very emotional experience as well. Oftentimes big one day workshops and kind of eight day immersion style practices and um, offerings do that. They kind of push you straight through that that edge. And then it's like, it, it's kind of on you to integrate that back and to get to where you want to be, where that changes. And and the, I don't actually teach that. I used to I used to do like one day workshops where I would like push people past their edges and get them to have these big cathartic experiences. Um, but I found that it was, um, I would say, less helpful than I wanted it to be. So um, I kind of flipped to the other way of transformation, which for me is is more sustainable and maintainable and more manageable. Which is like it's kind of like the baby steps model. So you're, you're at one spot, you want to get to another spot and it's like, okay, let's go from here to this little 
step first and then let's go from there to this little step and let's go from there to this little step until you build up to the the place where you want to be so you're like making small micro changes um to get to this eventual end point um over a longer period of time the big cathartic experiences can happen very shortly very uh, abruptly and the uh the other way of change is, is oftentimes a bit more long term so i'm not saying one is better than the other yeah i think it's a really interesting um way of of working before I'm, I'm definitely resonating with what you're saying i think especially now that we engage more in one-on-one work or in like um a group dynamic but like virtual there is less of that kind of like finding the edge and doing something extreme together it's something that i'm perhaps ready to explore in the future with people but right now it's more about like hey here's what you're experiencing Give us a new way of looking at your entire reality and let's move forward to where you want to be, um, you know, with love, with compassion, with, with openness, with curiosity. Um, there is still some ways in which I explore the edge with people. For example, men that come up and they have some fear from interacting with women or some discomfort them there. And generally, um, blockages around expressing themselves vulnerably and authentically in every situation. Um, and I just send them to whenever they see someone that they are attracted to or they are, they want to connect with to go and really spill their guts, like, but in a way that will completely ruin that relationship. Um, but, but really help them earn back their authentic self and their relationship with themselves and be fucking. This is who I am. This is, this is who I am completely in this moment. Instead of wearing that mask and help connecting with people through that mask and creating these like inauthentic relationships in your life, which end up usually becoming toxic, you start sharing more of who you actually are in every situation. It's regardless if you're single and dating or you're in a long-term relationship, dropping those masks is incremental to a success in a relationship, really seeing intimacies into me, you see, you know, like really seeing into each other. And so I send them to the fields to, uh, you know, express themselves openly. Like, listen, I saw you from over there. I'm feeling really stressed right now. My heart is literally pumping, but I'm really excited. And I think you have beautiful eyes and I really wanted to connect with you. And man, I'm afraid of my fucking self, you know, like really going, whatever is alive, whatever is alive, no filters. And I think this is a little bit of finding your edge. It's a bit scary, even for people who are confident and, you know, like really showing up that way. So um, I think it's a beautiful, for me at least, it's a, it's a combination of like really baby step, lovingly, you know, working on something while a little bit, you know, just pushing yeah, the edge. That little, little push. Through. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you do need that little push. And I oftentimes try and um, express to the men that I work with to like, I, I'm all about building awareness, like learning more about like what you're feeling. And oftentimes I try and, you know, encourage them to dis- distinguish between the feeling of like, and you, you might mention this before, it's like that feeling of like curiosity. It's like that kind of like, oh, there's a bit of an invitation here to explore that edge. I'm a bit curious about it. I'm quite interested in it. Maybe I could, I'm a little bit scared. I'm a little bit nervous about it. got a bit of anxiety, but it's something I actually kind of want to do versus the other 
way that we often kind of do things, which is like, oh, I feel really pushed to this. Like I actually don't want to do this, but I got to, my, my mentor is telling me to do it. Um, I've got some pressure from my mates. They want me to do it or my partner's pressuring me to do it. I don't really want to. I've got to be a resistance to it. And uh, it's not something that I feel comfortable doing, but I, I think I should just do it because other people want me to do it. Kind of figuring out the, the subtleties between those two feelings, I think is really important, especially in sexuality work. Yeah, there is this uh, exercise that I give people to do right in the beginning when they start working with me because I want to help them, especially men, to build up the relationship with themselves. I'm sure you do it as well. It's a Taoist exercise of self-pleasure as an act rather than getting to an orgasm. And sometimes a lot of people get it right off the bat and they're like, yeah, this is, you know, we are not doing a business workshop here. It's, it's about sex, it's about whenever I'm aroused. But other people, especially men who are very much oriented with their masculine essence of like penetrating, making it happen, like homework, strategy, frameworks. Um, so they are going to this like, okay, so how many times a day I should do this? <laughs> like, exactly how, ma- how many times you feel like having sex with yourself, you know, like it's not drop out of that mentality of this is something that should happen, but rather, you know, dance with that and see where, where it leads you. So yeah, yeah you're right. There, there has to be this like really nuanced dance with it. Yeah. I often get that question it, every week without fail. I get that question. How many times a week should I be masturbating? And it's like, man, how many times, you know, but I don't know, man, how long is a piece of string? You know, how many, what, what feels right and what feels comfortable for you is going to feel totally different to, to someone else. And the same thing with sex. Like how often should we as a couple be having sex? I mean, if you're ha- happy having sex, you know, once a fortnight or once a month or three times a day, as long as you're both happy and satisfied and it's enjoyable and pleasurable and you're feeling fulfilled from it, then uh, who am I to tell you? Same thing about worshipping that you mentioned before. Who am I to tell you how to worship your God? Who am I to tell you how to worship, you know, your partner or how to, you know, how many times to worship your own body? Um, it just feels like, yeah. And, and so people that do prescribe numbers, I'm like, man, you're, you're doing you're doing people a disservice. It just really starts to to bug me. And um, there's like another thing you said as well, which I which also has a lot more nuance to it. Um, and I don't, I feel like sometimes I don't do enough of a job of speaking into this nuance. But the like parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems, the interplay between those two things in our sexual arousal, like. Is it is important to to go into the nuance of that because stress isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Anxiety is not necessarily a bad thing. It, it's often framed as something that's really detrimental for our sexual experience and for our experience of pleasure. But like that that good stress or that good anxiety or that good nervousness, maybe anxiety is kind of a bit of a loaded word, but that like nervousness of 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 like almost like. Oh God, uh, this is something new for me. Like I'm a little bit, oh, uh, I'm a little bit excited, but I'm a little bit kind of nervous about what's going to happen. Like it's, uh, I'm not really sure. This is a fantasy that I've wanted to do for a long time. I maybe haven't done this. If you're getting into maybe some kink and some BDSM stuff, it's like, you know, stress can can get the heart rate pumping, can get kind of like your energy really high. You know, if you're breathing quite quickly and quite fast, you can kind of feel really kind of energized, which is your, your sympathetic nervous system, right? It's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and, you know, so to say everything in the sympathetic is is something we want to get rid of and everything in the parasympathetic is, is something we want to do, uh, again, for me, is, is oversimplified. Um, and I think there's like an important conversation to have around like, okay, how do we weave in a little bit of good stress? You know, uh, a friend of mine, he's an engineer and, and he likes to say, you know, stress isn't bad. You know, we need stress on if we're building a building, 
we there certain stresses we need to make sure that the building stays upright you know um and it's just the same thing with building your arousal right we need certain stresses to allow that building to be built um and i really like that way of kind of thinking about it yeah and also um um stress or like anxiety and excitement are basically the same thing in terms of like the chemical reaction in the body and the, the nervous system like um, reaction but we just frame it differently you know you can say you're excited um and i think this is where the nuance comes like you can recognize be more aware of like am i like just stressed for no reason or am i excited for what about to come that's i think like a nuance difference that you can walk through like if you are in the situation and you feel that you are stressed right now because and you are not in the moment because maybe my dick will not function well in an hour from now that's unnecessary stress it's just activating your sympathetic nervous system and ruins the whole experience but if you are like excited and about to try something new or excited because there is a gorgeous human being in front of you and you just want to worship every curve of your body that's something else you know this is good to be excited about it it's, there's, there's nothing wrong about that yeah so uh yeah definitely right uh, thank you for that point it's a beautiful uh nuance. both of those things you're right end up in the same like they have the same physical manifestations right whether you're excited or anxious or excited or um, you know stressed out about something, both of those things are going to activate the sympathetic nervous system in pretty much the same way. And both of those things, if your sympathetic nervous system is activated, are probably going to make you ejaculate quite quickly, right? If we're using premature ejaculation as a as a thing, so it's like, okay, cool. I can I can not only reframe the sympathetic experience that I'm having, that kind of fight or flight response that I'm having, which is you know, excitement. I can reframe it from anxiety to excitement. But then it's also like, okay, now that I've reframed that, how do I work with it as well? How do I allow it to kind of keep me excited and keep me, you know, um, keep that energy kind of going, but also lower it down a little bit and play with those levels and allow myself to not ejaculate quite quickly or to not get in my head about it and and then it turn back into anxiety or something like that. So um, yeah, I think like yeah. the frame is one thing, and then like breath is the next. I think like. And this is really actually mind-blowing. Like I was exposed to how you can, you know, relax or the importance of breath in lovemaking through Tantra and like other places and whatever. Um, and then just recently, actually, because it's pretty new science. It's not something that we know for ages of like how the breath actually influences the nervous system, the different nervous systems. I was like, just from that year, um, there was a guy called the Huberman Lab. He has a podcast as well. And he's a neuroscientist doing a lot of really interesting work in terms of like, yeah, regulating nervous system, circadian rhythm, sleep, wake, and all that kind of stuff. And some of what they were focusing on is like the influence of the breath on the nervous system and how you can consciously regulate your nervous system using different types of breaths. And so this is, I think, the moment you reframe the kind of like this, okay, there is nothing wrong going on. It's just, I'm excited. It's fine. It's all good. Even if I'm going to ejaculate in two seconds, it's still the most beautiful expression of human sexuality in the moment. It's not about how long am I staying. Um, and from there, from that point of no resistance to what is happening, rather seeing it as an opportunity, going back to the point that we talked about in the beginning, 
then you can go and dive into practices like you are sharing, like I'm sharing, like, okay, what can I do? You know, how can I use my breath? How can I use my body? How can I use my emotions? How can I use my mind in beautiful ways um, to have more fun, to be more in the present, to enjoy more, to give more pleasure, to be, yeah, and to last longer. That that word regulation is something that really resonates with me. And it's a word that I use a lot in the work that I do, especially when I talk about um, emotions, right? You mentioned this a little bit before. We want to want to be authentic in our expressions of emotions. And, and a lot of times I find that men particularly have resistance to doing that, not because they don't have or they can't feel those emotions, but because there's this kind of idea that if they start expressing their emotions, then they're going to, you know, they're, they're just going to start to be dictated by them and they're, gonna, they're not going to be able to stop expressing, right? And it's just going to be like this free outpouring of emotions that they're going to be controlled by. And sometimes that can happen. And, and you know, that's, if that's the way that you manage and handle your emotions, you just kind of let them pour out of you, then that's, you know, more power to you. But something that I think is really like a, a missing piece for a lot of guys when it comes to doing emotional vulnerability work is how do you regulate those emotions right and and regulating is not about oppressing and trying not to feel anything it's about feeling something but then being able to be like okay cool do i have the tools to express this to have the tools to maybe just manage it myself does it need to be verbalized can i internalize and process it you know in inside emotional intelligence yeah, emotional intelligence, right? And and that comes from, you know, if you want to feel something more, do I have the do I have the ability to kind of upregulate an emotion if I want to start to process and manage my grief, right? Do I have the tools to be like, okay, where is that grief coming from? Can I actually let myself feel it? And then is there other times where it's maybe not appropriate for you to express your grief or you don't want to express it in a certain situation? Do you have the tools to just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to allow it to subside a little bit. It's not putting somewhere else. It's still in my body. I'm just maintaining it regulating it at the moment and I'll, I'll process it and deal with it a bit later on so that regulation piece not only in a neurological sense with regards to the nervous system and the breath but also with regards to emotions and, and expressions yeah and this is why i think um intimacy and sexuality is such a powerful potent doorway to exploring all of those elements within yourself because especially for men, there is so much baggage there. And like everywhere else in our life, we can somehow manage by just performing, you know, like go to your, to your work. If you are coming with an attitude of performing, you're probably going to do well and climb up the ladder. Maybe you're not going to be the happiest person, but you're going to make it work. In relationships and sexuality, it's just not going to work. You know, you're not going to enjoy deep, meaningful satisfying intimacy if your attitude is about performing making your orgasm you know winning in relationships <laughs> it's just not going to work this is this is just the most this is why it's just the most potent kind of um, and, and in friendships as well but this is even deeper because you are really connecting with someone in the most in the deepest level especially when you're engaging in a longer term relationship maybe even marriage and family and so on as you are doing so beautifully right now like it just there are things within you that open up that will not open up anywhere else and so this is i think why i see this is a most beautiful most potent doorway to really human experience exploration as a whole 
you know, because really how you express yourself there is how you express yourself everywhere. It's the most nuanced, the most emotional, the most deep, you know, and when you find yourself challenged by premature ejaculation, for example, or I don't know, some lack of confidence and knowledge in the female arousal system, um, or a lot of toxic relationships, whatever it is that you find yourself in, um, in that space is the most beautiful opportunity for you to do some work, to do some spiritual work, you know, and not necessarily in the sense of like being spiritual and wearing sarongs and uh, praying to like uh, with incense, you know, just doing work, you know, and it's, I think this is, you know, <laughs> sex and relationships can be so many things, you know, a lot of people like to put, um, labels on things of like oh this is this is this and that this should be that this should be that Se sex is always sacred no it's not <laughs> sometimes it's sacred sometimes it's wild and animalistic and fucking raw and weird you know that's also sex sometimes it's cuddling sometimes it's like fucking each other with eye contact sometimes it's dancing together ecstatically and sometimes it's just vanilla sex which is simple and just loving and curious you know it can be so many things and so is every other aspect of a relationship and it's just so beautiful how you can see of all of these um options of what is possible for a relationship and, and sexual intimacy and, and and acts to be and really move between them and see which is teaching you something, which is showing you a, a, another aspect of yourself that you might have been neglecting or you may have been afraid to kind of like explore. Um, and it's really, really powerful. And yeah, I love, I love, I love doing this work. Yeah, man. Thank you for, for speaking into that. And there's something you mentioned before, which I'm curious to learn more about from you because I don't specifically teach this is helping guys like overcome their fear of, um, starting to, to to put themselves out there and start to talk to women particularly particularly you know guys that are single wanting to maybe meet women wanting to start a, a relationship and wanting to you know cultivate this in their life right i've been out of the dating game for five years and and so i don't you know I, i'm not i'm not across it it's not something that i've i've kind of really had a lot of experience with um and so i'm wondering how do you how do you navigate that with men because there's this culture as i just put up a youtube video about the pickup kind of artist culture um how are you navigating that space with guys that are like maybe single looking to date looking to maybe have some more casual relationships what's your what's your framework for working with those type of guys yeah i watched this video uh, of yours just before we went to this uh <laughs> it's like fucking hilarious <laughs> really recommend thanks man. um I would approach it in the exact same way, you know, like the, it's, it's, it's all the same, you know, your relationship with your own body, your relationship with sex is your relationship with the feminine. It's your relationship with work. It's your relationship with your partner. It's your relationship with your mom. It's your relationship with everything there is, which is the feminine. And so in the exact same way, the first stepping stone that I want to, you know, integrating their life is this is a gift for me to explore something new you know when i feel excitement and i feel fearful great you know let's explore that let's start from there um without resistance and from there we can explore 
with removing any agenda. I think the, the masculine, most of the men that I encounter that have challenges interacting with women is men who are really, really integrated in their masculine essence. They are really in their minds, you know, intelligent, smart, maybe programmers doing like whatever it is um, that is happening in their um, in the uh, reality, they are very much aligned with their masculine essence and they find it challenging to interact with the dance of the feminine, which is a dance, you know, it's really different mentality. It's really different way of experiencing the world, the feminine essence, and they just have no idea how it feels. And so we do a lot of work around embodiment, which is feminine, you know, connecting to your body, connecting to presence, sensations, feelings, authenticity, it's all like feminine. And the more they are connected to that element, you know, of dancing, being embodied and dancing with reality without expectations, without an agenda, you're going to talk with that person because this is the most beautiful thing that you feel like doing. It's the most beautiful gift that you can give to the world right now. It's regardless of what you will answer, you know. I'm getting them to a conscious point in which whether she said yes and you had the most beautiful, loving experience of your life on a mountain, having amazing sex, you know, with this nymph, or she said no and giggled a little bit and left, you are in the exact same spot because you are doing, you are giving your gift, you are serving, you are doing the best from that authentic place. Um, and so we, we are doing a lot of work on that, you know, like refining the relationship with the feminine within yourself, with your family, your mom, uh, which comes first. You know, I have guys call their mom and tell her how much they love her unconditionally and appreciate all of her sacrifices and sometimes even give her a gift or money or something like as a token of service. And that really changes that, um, you know, it really shifts the paradigm for them. Of like, oh, what I'm experiencing with women is not just with women. What I'm experiencing is like with all of all of existence it's with the feminine it's with my body it's with my senses it's with my emotions i'm so detached from all of that let's connect let's dance ecstatically together um that's that's the nature of the work mm, i love that man thank you for for sharing and i'm just mindful of time my brother and i'm wondering is there um is there a, a strategy or a technique or just some words of wisdom that you feel to share at this time with guys that are maybe listening interested in this work that haven't journeyed down you know they haven't done any coaching and they haven't done any mentoring that are kind of just interested in this and 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 thinking they might want to go down this path is there any words of wisdom you have for them i'm going to speak up intuitively from few past experiences that i've had people definitely ask for help but will not really ready to get help um, and a lot of times when you go out there and you, and you seek help that's a beautiful act so it's a masculine act of like hey come to my reality help me with so and so now let go you know don't resist don't resist the process trust yourself for seeking help trust everything in the reality and the person that you trust your um you know to, you trust to help you and let go and let the process happen to you. We have this paradigm that we are especially masculine, integrated men, that we are living life. In reality, life is living us. We are just tools into, in this existence. We spoke about it a little bit in the beginning of like how we all made of the same materials, literally, that everything else made. So what makes you think that you, because you have 
um, an awareness and consciousness are detecting and manifesting and creating the reality. You have no control over anything. So surrender to the process. And if you seek help, open up to receive it and be totally open and um, to exploring from that realization that whatever is your edge, whatever you're experiencing right now, this is where you grow. This is where you have opportunity to realize new things and get to new states of consciousness and open up the experience and the depth of the experience that you can experience in your life. Yeah, I love that, brother. Thank you. And thank you for spending an hour just sitting down, having a chat with me and getting, um, getting real, getting vulnerable. I appreciate it. Fuck yeah, man. My pleasure. No worries, dude.